To the Sports Grab Podcast. My name is Ryan Walker, and with me, as always, is the Centurion himself, Ruben Williams. How are you today, mate? Hello, Ryan. I'm fantastic. We've made it to 100. It's an exciting time. I'm very happy to be recording this episode. And I thought I couldn't just let you get away with calling me an adjective today. Oh, this yeah. is going to be a reflective, reflective episode uh, between the two of us. So the word I had for you, if I was to host a show, was preserved. Oh, yeah. Why preserved? I've, I've gone with preserved because I've likened you to a century egg. If you're not sure what a century egg is, it's an egg that's been soaking in vinegar or oil. That is to be confirmed, but it's been soaking for 100 days. And after 100 days, ah. it becomes its culinary best. Mm. So, you are preserved and are now at your culinary best, Ryan. It is a brilliant, brilliant start to the show. And I must say, I feel at my best. I feel after 100 episodes, I mean, if anyone did anything 100 times for about a year, I'm sure you'd you'd feel fairly confident in it. Um, That's not to say I've got any better at hosting this at all. But uh, (laughs) no, it is is awesome to be here, 100, uh, and we've made it. So we've done this 100 times, which is pretty weird to think about. But a whole year it's taken us to get here, but... Here we are, and, and we actually have one of the great shows, in my opinion, that we've ever done on the Sports Grab podcast. So strap yourselves in. We're going to go through the timeline of grad. So I've, I've put together a bit of a timeline, Rubes, of some of the great moments, some of the great episodes, some of the milestones throughout our time together, and we're going to basically go through them. And then I believe you've put together the eight principles of getting a job in sport, I believe, which are going to be... Absolutely crazy. I've got the show notes in front of me uh, and I can just say already I'm, I'm pretty excited for them. And then to finish off, we've got uh, one of the great friends of the podcast, uh, Kath Lockman, coming in to chat to us and interview us. So we're going to sit from the other side of the microphone and we're just going to reflect on, on the last year, on the last 100 episodes, and it is a whole lot of fun. So massive agenda. So I, I say we, we get cracking. Um, anything, huge. anything before before I start, Rubes? Uh, I think it's just been uh, an incredible journey so far. And so I'm looking forward to hearing some of the uh, things that have come up in the timeline, Ryan. The eight principles as well is going to be interesting. It's going to be a good little synthesis of all the insights we've collected on this show. We've got 100 episodes of insights and tips and tricks from people all over the world. And that's going to be condensed down to those eight little principles but take us away. Like, where do we start? How do we get going, Ryan? Yeah, I'll kickstart from here. And just remember, Kathy's en route. So use this time to get ready because you don't know what questions okay. are going to come to us. So we started around this time, 2020. And I was in Torquay, you're in Lawn. We came together, and the first episode was actually in my house in Torquay in the lounge room. Two laptops, two microphones, sound issues, tech nightmare dogs running around, all kinds of things happening. So start off with Ali Durkis, which was, I, I still think, one of the great insightful episodes to hear from someone with such, you know, expansive amount of HR experience. Went through all kinds of stuff, interview prep, resumes, cover letters, 
she, she like she is incredibly patient to have to deal with all those applicants but then it really showed when she had to deal with us trying to record episode number one with no idea what we were doing from the lounge room so yeah pretty special episode neither of us really knew what we were doing but then soon after that we became the number one careers podcast in australia it was three days after we launched yeah I, uh, I remember um I was still down in Lawn on the day that we launched and we hit top 20 in the business category that day. And I remember walking around my lounge room and my friend Isaac had come down for the night and I was just staring at my phone going, oh, my God, like that's our face in the top 20 of the business category. And then a few days later, I checked the charts back and found a new category, which was just careers. And I was like, oh my God, we're at number one. And so, I'm not sure if you remember this, Rob, but I think I Zoomed you and I had it ready on my phone. I was like, look at this. Look at this. <laughs> We've reached the pinnacle. There was no point even continuing on for the next yeah, nine, seven episodes. <laughs> it didn't matter. But we did. Uh, we did. But, yeah, that was where we started. So, about a, almost a year to the day, Rob. Yeah, which is huge. So, amazing. Um, from there, we entered the U.S., uh, so episodes 8 and 12, we had Michael Wolfert from the Cincinnati Bengals. And then we had Natalie Levimoff from the Chicago Bulls, which was timely with the MJ documentary, I must say. It was amazing chatting to her. Listening to how people do it in the US is crazy. Like it, it's just it, there's so many complexities that you don't really know about. You know, even like the the, the lengths that Michael had to go to, to to land his job at the Bengals was crazy. Uh, hearing, I think it was six rounds of interviews he had. So, absolutely insane. From there, uh, we hit the dream guest idea. Now, I want to address oh this. Although it's not... Don't remind me. <laughs> it's not a milestone, but it was. It reminds us of you're allowed to fail. And my God, was that a failure. Now, <laughs> we set ourselves the task of, I wanted to get the head of partnerships at Manchester City. And I, who was yours? I can't remember. The head of fan experience at the New York the Yankees. One. Yeah. Uh, and to say that we've not had any contact from either of these people is completely true. So, you're allowed to fail in this game, Ruben. You know, that's <laughs> fine. That's fine. But maybe by episode 200, we might have an update on that one. I can't remember if we'd given an update as of late. Well, um, well the, ga- the, game, the game doesn't end unless we choose to end it so exactly. watch this space watch for another 100 space. episodes <laughs> exactly so that's that we'll leave that there um episode 19 to push on this is one of the nicest episodes of all time and looking back in the archives this one was just i don't know if it was it wasn't weird it was just kind of like really over friendly and it was quite not uncomfortable it was more like too comfortable and we were just being extremely kind to each other so i recommend if you haven't listened to that listen back it's pretty unusual but it's still relevant and it was quite cool to do so asking a friend to analyze yourself is quite a a good app so episode 19 that was funny um october we had our first iteration of the sports grab membership launching which was absolutely huge so a lot of work went on aside from the podcast to basically get that launched and ready to go so um that was an awesome milestone to hit um i couldn't go through the timeline without mentioning what was voted the GOAT episode of the first 100, which was Cass' episode. I think we'll touch on it later with her, no doubt. Um, that was awesome. But she then would, also... She would love to, to hear that again. Yeah, yeah, and a great friend of the show. 
Episode 36, might I add, was uh, my app. Uh, I believe that is still trending relatively high in the in the charts. I, I, I couldn't quite find where I ranked, but uh, a great episode nonetheless. So we can. It was a it was a pleasant surprise looking back through the analytics and seeing episode thirty six three years into my career at Cricket Australia <laughs> with with Ryan Walker. <laughs> really, really caught on, yeah. which is great. Uh, it's good, just you know, cementing that that stardom. You know, that really, you know, everyone everyone wants to listen to. Anyway, <laughs> episode thirty nine with Mitch Woods. Now, this was significant. It's been topical over the last few weeks because this bloody super box idea continues to run across the airwaves on the Sportsfair podcast. Now, Mitch, an absolute awesome operator from the St Kilda Footy Club, chat around this super box idea at his grassroots club, which has just grown legs over the last few months um, and is now, we rarely get thrown out without talking about it. So I couldn't not mention well- Mitch Woods. Well, they're, they're offering government grants to build your super boxes these days, as yeah. confirmed with Sarah Styles. Yeah, so, super boxes are blowing up. So, <laughs> would encourage everyone to listen to that, um, as well as some grant information from Sarah, which was quite cool to listen to. Then we hit number 50, Finn Bradshaw from the ICC. Um, you know, we raised the bat, couldn't take the helmet off because it was only 50, but got to 50. That was. Awesome and like a really great insight into sort of the digital landscape and sport. And then we ventured back to the US. So we had Aman from the Kansas City Chiefs and then Aubrey from the NFL uh, chat to us around their experience in the NFL specifically and sort of Aman more from the, the club side of things and then uh, Aubrey from the administration side of things to do with the Super Bowl, which is the greatest show on earth. No one can really dispute that. Um, so great to get an insight there, which was absolutely incredible. Well, they, they both had Super Bowl experience because Aman was a Super Bowl winning business analytics manager. Yes, <laughs> which you don't you don't you don't come across too many of them. Did you um? We'll we'll hear more of this later because Aman sends out updates, and we're now part of his update mm. list. Yeah. Did you did you get the update from him? He's just got a new job over at the the Brooklyn Nets. Is that right? Yeah. Wow, he's moving. He's moving to New York, so um, maybe we need to check I, in on him, make sure everything's all all happening, and get an insight into well, the new gig. Could potentially well, be an NBA winning. Yeah. I was quietly, uh, quietly, uh, very happy because I'd, I'd much rather visit Brooklyn than Kansas. No offense to those people in Kansas, but um, we look forward to visiting them. On. <laughs> Absolutely, we'll be over there pretty soon. I would have thought. Um, <laughs> Cool. So, pressing on with the timeline, February, we, we relaunched our, our SportsGrab membership. Awesome new platform, a lot more resources. You know, the whole thing is just your your go-to spot to, to really get everything you need to, to enter the sports industry. So, that was an amazing achievement just a few months ago. Um, we then spoke to Tom Rose from Southampton in the Premier League, uh, our first guest from the English Premier League, and went through his 50 challenges yeah, his his story was extraordinary. Like usually we'll go through and try and find someone who's relevant to a sport or a particular job. Mm. He was the first time where we were like, okay, this guy's got a story to tell. Let's yeah. chat to him. And so if you haven't listened to his episode, do yourself a favor. In the space of one year, he completes 50 challenges that push him outside of his comfort zone. And now he's just walking through life. Pretty comfortable. It's an yeah. incredible story. 
yeah, he was genuinely so interesting. And I'd never really met someone who had done that kind of challenge before. So that was really mm. cool. Um, episode 73, and we're starting to really heat up now towards where we are now. But we have we had our sports grad royalty, Jack Lloyd, on the podcast. So the first the first person who has worked for sports grad, who has then got a job in sport, and then obviously we got him on the pod. He's obviously a gun at creating content, did a lot of work with us around how we do our podcast. So it was great talking to him. And he, I must say, he'd love the shout out in the episode as well. Um, so great work, Jack. You made the pod. Well done, mate. Um, well, really, we, we, we kind of just, uh, we placed him because we thought we've done all yeah. these different angles. We've talked to a lot of experienced people. We've never talked with someone in their first week of their job before. And it's hard to come across someone in their first mm-hmm. week of, a full-time job. So we might just – we'll just place one of our own in uh, yeah. in Rugby Victoria and then uh, Makes sense. Yeah. Ca- capture them. A little smart from us. Anyway, <laughs> um, I, I couldn't do this as well without mentioning our, our Craig Hutchison call-out. Significant effort and some truly bizarre methods went into this, but I'll never forget it, uh, putting Craig's face in the middle of some sort of sports grab diagram uh, on LinkedIn, which is quite amusing. And obviously, Craig could well be listening. So, Craig, please come on the podcast. We'd love to speak to you. And we might um, we might include a link to that graphic in the show notes for those who do want to reminisce yeah. on a, a bizarre attempt to get a guest. Makes total sense. Let's do it. Then, uh, this was in May, so very recently now, but we hit 100 members at SportsCrowd, which is like huge Ironic that we're hitting 100 episodes for 100 members and special shout out to all those members who are listening, absolute legends. And might I just say that SportsGrade community that we're building and, you know, over the last couple of weeks, there's so much discussion happening, people just getting involved and meeting other people who want the same thing and, and want to get a job in sport and it's absolutely awesome. It's been good to to meet so many people who have who've become members in the last few months. So shout out to them. Um, then we hit Jay Lee and it was the first ep that we did two parts. I think that's kind of like a sign it's going okay if you hit, if you do parted podcasts. I'm not sure if that's a, a genuine thing that happens, but so, someone will let us know. Yeah, someone will let us know. So that's, um, that was awesome. We have Jay Lee and then of course we hit today 100. So we've hit the ton. We're raising the bat. The helmet's come off. And uh, it's uh, it's happy days. So that that is the timeline. I'm sure there's How a lot of other things. I reckon I I'll, I'll have a beer tonight. I reckon. Hopefully, there's one in the fridge cold because it must be cold. <laughs> uh, but yeah, what do you think? Good timeline. I think that's pretty accurate. It's uh, well, there's a lot of stuff that you forget about because everything moves so quickly. So great work putting that together because it's just nice, kind of remembering some of the steps that it took to get to a point where. You've done 100 episodes, you've talked to people across, you know, four different continents. The membership has progressed during that time as well um, and some of the impact is starting to come to fruition as well. So, I enjoyed that. How about you? I loved it. I, I love looking back in the archive. Uh, one thing I yeah. wish I did is to get onto our man Shekka who would probably have the list of all the, the things that I've called you over the year. It would be quite interesting. So, yes. That was uh, one of the one of the best gifts I think I've ever received in my life. At, at our very first Melbourne meetup, yeah. 
Shekhar presented us with this card that had every single adjective ever recorded on the Sports Grad podcast, which was quite useful because sometimes I think we've doubled up, right? I reckon that's so probably fair. It was very useful for our own records, but nice to know that people are actually listening and taking notice, even if they're only taking notice of the adjectives. We hope people are taking notice of the rest of it too, but uh, whatever you guys want to soak in, soak in. It's all, it's okay. You can soak in just the adjectives if you want to, but that's fine. Um, all right. Well, let's push on. That was good fun. I'm really keen to hear about these eight principles that you've put together. We've even got, you know, some of the, the best quotes over the last hundred episodes, I believe. So, a fair bit of work's gone into this. So, I'm very excited. So I'll, I'll drive, and then you can you can basically take take the reins. Um, so let's let's kick off. What's number one? So Ryan, you mentioned 100 episodes, 12 months of talking to people all over the world who've got their own different journeys into sports. There are some consistencies across a lot of these guests. There are some nuances as well. The purpose of these eight principles is to really synthesize what are the fundamental steps to get a job in sport. And this is looking through the archives. This is looking and analyzing uh, a lot of different pathways. What are the fundamental things that you need to do to get a job in sport? And we've come up with eight principles. And to support each principle, we've got someone from the show who has lived experience in that area. So, I'll kick it off with number one. The first principle to get a job in sport is Take time to discover why you want to work in sport because a clear vision is more attractive than a skill set. And to exemplify this for us, we've got Neil Shah from India on track who spent some time with the MLS who's going to tell us a little bit about how he found his why in sport. In 1995, I was uh, 15 years old. It's really the year that changed my entire life. And it was like when I say straightforward, it was like, well, what do I like the most? What do I, what makes me happy? And all I could think about is how beautiful the beautiful game really is because it's not just made a difference to me as an individual uh, growing up playing football in so many different, at so many different levels, but even traveling in the around the world and connecting with people um, on and off the pitch. So I made a declaration at that point at the age of 15 that I'm going to work in professional football and I'm going to work for MLS. And from the age of 15 to the age of 22, I just did every internship I could to uh, allow me to learn more about the, the business of, of football and the business of sport. You know, finally, it led me to New York City. It led me in 2002 to standing on 110 East 40 or across the street from 110 East 42nd Street, which is basically Grand Central Station in New York. I literally just, just staring at their office. And this sounds very creepy, I know, but... I picked up the phone and I just said, I just got, I called the receptionist and uh, I mean, I called their main desk. I got the receptionist and I just told her my life story and she was, I guess, inspired. She ended up um, connecting me with the vice president of marketing at the time, uh, Mark Noonan. Mark heard me out and he said, look, there might be a position open in special events. I'll have the head of special events call you. He did. Two weeks later, I had an interview Three months later, as a coordinator of fan development, and the rest is history. So, I, what I say is that, like, I didn't even look at any other job. I only wanted to work in marketing at Major League Soccer for for six years, and I was going to do any single thing I could to get that job. And thankfully, that cold call led to what I what eventually was my dream job. 
I absolutely love that, Ryan. I think um, yeah. You know, if someone if someone came to us and said, Ruben, Ryan, I've been working for six years because all all I've ever wanted to do is work for sports grad, I'd be you know taken back by that. <laughs> and be like, yes, absolutely, come come do it. Yeah, and particularly if they're able to articulate why a certain organisation is meaningful for them. Yeah, because I think a lot of people aren't too different from from Neil. People love soccer. People love the beautiful game, as he said. But what he did differently was articulate why the experiences in his life had impacted him in the way they had and why he wanted to attribute that back to a career in, in the MLS. Yeah. No, I love that as well. And just highlights the why you need the why. I think like everybody, like if you, if you want to work in sport, you're not going to earn millions of dollars a year. You got to be in it for a reason, so that's why it's finding out the why is so important. Some can earn a million dollars a year, but majority aren't going to do that. So it's like you have to be really clear on the why. And it was just such a good story him rocking up outside MLS headquarters and ringing the front desk. That's just like an epic story, and just shows how much he kind of wanted to wanted to be in there. So now that's awesome. Number one has kicked off very well, mate. Great. Number two is. When you're starting out, acquire easily attainable opportunities at grassroots clubs, charities, and university societies. A practical example, I was really lucky when I started playing senior footy. Um, I was at a really supportive club, but it didn't have a lot of, say, structure put in place. And I remember putting my hand up to say, you know, can I can I be the strength and conditioning coach? I think I was the age 20, just because, you know, we'll just – Beer drinking guys just running around the field. I reckon I was like, I reckon we could do this better, you know. And you know, I probably didn't really know what I was doing, but it was a second division footy club where I got to cut my teeth and I had to learn to coordinate a group of guys who were taking the piss out of me. It didn't really matter if I failed in in that type of environment, but also they were, they were great support too. So, um, and then I joined the committee there, um, and different times I've, I've just you know jumped in, joined committees, and, and got involved in that respect. Like I love what you said about um, taking on the role of strength and conditioning coordinator and like you, you were doing that 10 years before we started advocating for it. So you're groundbreaking in that space clearly. And I think... Um, it's very good when you can make up your own title. So like... Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> you could have made it exercise science specialist yeah. or something at, at local football club FC. Head of high performance. And yeah. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> right. Everyone knows that you need experience to get going. And if you can do, as Gav says, make up your own title, then you're well on your way. So just grab the low-hanging fruit at some of those organizations, uh, but do it in a meaningful way. You know, don't give time for the sake of giving time. Think about what Gav did. He was like, all right, I want to achieve an outcome by being the strength and conditioning specialist at his club. So number two, acquire easily attainable opportunities. Love that, mate. I love that story. Like, you know, if you can see a gap somewhere that you reckon you can add value and also, you know, learn something in that throughout that process, go and just do it. Like I think that was bloody awesome from him and he's he just has that. Like that's his – he can bring that to any situation and, you know, to be able to just go and say, I'll be the strength and conditioning coach and that's it and I'll learn. How good is that? So great story from Gab and one of the great men also to grace the podcast. Absolutely. Number three, learn to create examples, learn to sell yourself. If you can do both, you will climb rungs. 
And not to say this in a way that comes off conceited, but just to give you an idea of how competitive the NFL is, they later told me, I think, around 800 people applied for this role. And then I think they gave about 25 phone interviews, you know, kind of your classic interview, talk about your experience, talk about yourself. And then that goes back to just the experience I had built during college and then the experience I had built while I was in grad school. Uh, just so practical and helpful. So there's 800 people going for this role. And within 800 people, how do you make sure that you stand out? I was prepared as heck for that first interview. You know, you control what you can control, come knowing as much as you can about yourself to where, you know, it always feels kind of weird and braggy to talk about yourself in an interview and about your skills and your strengths and, you know, why you're going to be the best person for this role. You just feel awkward, like talking about yourself in that light, but you can do it in a way where you're referencing your experience more so than talking about how great you are. I, I like to just look at my resume before any interview and just feel really familiar with all of the experience that I have and what skills I learned where doing what things. And then it's always incredibly important to come with questions of your own. So just asking the right questions, asking educated questions to where you portray to them that you are very interested in this role and you're going to work as hard as you can to do whatever you can to get it and to be the best. That's how I approached it. So Ryan, You've got experience, you've got examples, but none of that actually means much unless you can communicate that to someone else to have them understand what you understand about yourself. And that's what I love about Michael is that he was prepared as heck to beat 800 applicants in the interview. Because I can guarantee you there's probably about 100 people in that field who could probably do his job, but Michael sold himself the best. And that's really like the superpower in this. Yeah, totally agree. And like you've you've summarized that perfectly. Like, you know, you can have all the experience, but if you don't if you don't say it right, you don't sell it right, it's kinda like it's pointless. So you've got to be able to speak about what you've done in a really meaningful way instead of just listing out I did X, Y, and Z and not have much to really elaborate. So great call. Um I believe there's a second quote coming up. Well, that's just one context that you're gonna sell yourself in. So Michael's done it in an interview room. Our friend Aman does it all year round and he talks about marketing himself. He's constantly selling himself. So, have a listen to what he's got to say. What do you do four months later? What do you do six months later? What is your plan for that, right? And so, for me, my strategy was I put together a kind of a, hey, this is my little almost like email blast to everybody where, hey, you know, I'm going on vacation. I'm doing this. The team is doing, you know, here. It's not necessarily for them, but it's more for me to tell them, hey, this is what I'm doing. You don't have to respond. I just want to keep you in the loop about what I'm doing. I want to try to stay top of mind with you. And I think that's the most important thing that really good people will stand out. Now, if you're not above the rest, how do you get yourself into that? Again, that A pile, I think about that, right? How do you stay top of mind in people's mind share from a marketing perspective as well too, right? Because you're trying to market yourself to think about, oh, when there's a job that they hear comes up, how do they think about them, right? I have a list in my head right now of young professionals that if I had an opportunity or something came up, I'm going to instantly call them. Why? Because they impressed me. There's a man getting himself into the A pile in, in any situation. And he's a perfect example. He's just got his brand new job at the, the Brooklyn Nets. But, you know, if you're looking for a way to get into the A pile and perhaps a personal newsletter is not your thing, 
you know, perhaps posting on LinkedIn is is your way of staying top of mind or, or something else. Maybe you want to do a, a letterbox drop in all the people you know. Whatever it is you can come up with, find a way to stay top of mind and continue to market yourself. Awesome, mate. What is uh, number four? Number four is invest time mixing socially with the types of people who will hire you. If you can thrive here, you have ticked cultural fit. How did you find your way to get an internship at Gymnastic Victoria? It was it was a lot of luck, a bit of coincidence, um, and a lot of networking. So I actually met my manager, well, to be manager at Gymnastics Victoria, Jen, uh, at a going away party for one of my friends. It was kind of just a mutual connection. We got chatting, and I said I was about to study marketing communications, um, and she was going to put me in touch with one of her old employers to get an internship. Um, but a few months later, it turned out she needed an intern. And so I emailed her, said, look, I'm really interested in working with you. I'd love to work in sport. Um, and she brought me and a few other people on as interns that year. Um, but that's where the internship kind of began. And, and my relationship um, with with Jen in that role was really important for me um, in, you know, landing the full-time role and also my the role where I am now as well. That was Eliza Dewar from the Carlton Football Club, who is just like the easiest person to get on with in the world, in in my opinion. But, you know, that's made it easy for her to acquire positions in cultural fitness, an important part of the selection process. But if you haven't grown up in circles where, you know, people in that sport hang out, and this is going to be very easy for some, some people, it's just going to be part and parcel of who they are. But for other people, if you've come from another country or from another state or from somewhere that's culturally a bit different, then really throw yourself into those spaces where you're going to learn about the people who are involved. You're going to be able to find common ground and that's just going to allow you to develop these important relationships that were important for Eliza in in this example but can have the same impact for yourself. Awesome. I think, yeah, just highlights the cultural fit element. Like most roles that people are going to go for, they know they're going to be able to do them. It's more just like how do you fit amongst the organization? So, you know, everyone can learn. Everyone can learn how to do a job. It's more just like how do you how do you actually fit in that environment? So, good one. Number five, LinkedIn allows you to publish your resume in a thousand different ways at scale. Most people haven't figured this out. I think that's how it is. It's how do you do a great job in what your key scope is because you can never drop the ball on what your actual job is. But then there is ways of doing that that, you know, can get that message wider. And, I mean, again, if I go back to, funnily enough, LinkedIn, a great great example I've seen is, you know, when you're sharing progress through that platform, you're connecting with people all across the world So, you know, you might be sharing a story, if I go back to my previous world, you might be sharing a story on cricket.com.au and, yes, some people would see that. But when you're sharing things through LinkedIn, that's where you're able to connect with people and your reach can expand so much further than you would have otherwise guessed. So, Ryan, if you're at a workplace and you want to show your employer that you're doing a terrific job, you can do that every single day. But if you want to show another thousand people that you're doing a terrific job as well, then you can simply post on LinkedIn and leverage that audience. And now that audience understands what you are capable of. So it's about getting more exposure to people who 
understand what you're doing and how you're doing. And to contrast it with like a, a typical method, most people when they go out and try and get a job, they'll send one resume to a organization to get that job and it's read by one person. You can post your resume online and it'll be read by a thousand people or you can break your resume up into 10 different posts over the course of a month and each post might get read a thousand times and now you've been viewed 10,000 times compared to just once when you apply to a job. So that is the power of LinkedIn and the beauty of that is, as we say, not many people have figured this out. Only 1% of profiles on LinkedIn actually post. So that is the opportunity for mm-hmm. people listening. Yeah, awesome. And as the absolute king of LinkedIn, I must say oh, it's dead right. And I mean, you've you've taught me a few things around LinkedIn as well, around the power of sharing compared to other platforms. And it's really clear. And like we can even see with sports grads LinkedIn, you know, we do specific posts for, for the right reasons and it's on LinkedIn for that reason. Like we want to get it to as many people as possible. Like if we just wanted to use Instagram, it's not as powerful, you know. So exactly right. Like 1% of people posting on LinkedIn is crazy, hey. Like mm. you're on the platform but you're not really posting anything, which is so bizarre with all social media. So it's just Sarah was dead right. I love that quote. and It was really awesome talking to her around it the other day. You don't understand the power of LinkedIn until until you see the results. Number six, get comfortable talking to people you don't know. Opportunity exists in circles of people who trust each other and you're welcome to join those circles. Don't get the shits with the industry. Be the shit. <laughs> and And that one was literally me saying... They walk around going, yeah, I can't get a job. I don't know anyone. Yeah, no one will hire me. Oh, it's a closed shop. Oh, it's a, it's a boys' club. It's a girls' club. Everyone knows each other. And nobody wants to know me. Now you got to get rid of that attitude, you know, because the truth is it is a boys' club. It is a club. You know what? It's, it's a club of people who know each other, who are proven in the industry. That's what that club is. It's people offering jobs and positions to people that they know and trust because they have historical evidence of what they've achieved and done. And you, my friend, you can join that club. You know, most importantly, that club is not closed. That club grows every single day all around the world. You just got to get in there. You just got to get in there. That is Donnie Singe, of course, from the Manly Sea Eagles who – Tells it like it is, Ryan, which is why we absolutely love him on the Sports Grade podcast. But it really just talks to some of the realities of the hidden job market. It's all based around trust. And so then the question becomes, how do I introduce myself to those people and, and gain trust? So if you're looking for a practical example, listen to what Aman Alawalia has to say about this. I basically looked up every major four, NBA, MLB, NHL, NFL, some some MLS as well too. And I just researched everybody that existed in the partnership realm. And I said, okay, I'm going to put them in a big Excel spreadsheet. Then I said, okay, I got to find all these emails. If I find one email, that means I found the company's email, right? So digging through old PR reports, um, you know, typing an email at whatever, you know, the team name is to try to find it. So spend an entire weekend doing that. And then I just sent a bunch of tailored kind of cold emails to everybody with something unique about them, whether it was, hey, you went to university here. And so that's where I started to network. And while I don't know how much this actually did impact me, but 
at the Chiefs, I'd found two people. And so I sent them both emails. One did not respond. One did. He said, call me. So the minute he sent that email, I literally called him within half an hour because, you know, I checked my email half an hour later and there was no answer. So I said, okay, I'll call him again tomorrow. So I called him about four times, never got an email or never got a response. The phone was never answered or whatever. So when I applied for the position of an internship at the Chiefs, I shot him a note and said, hey, I've applied. I just wanted you to know, I hope I get to work with you at some point in the future. I know we couldn't connect. Didn't work out. Now, I know on working at the Chiefs, internships are pretty intense, right? We have roughly 200 people apply for one internship. Now, I always say there's an A pile, there's a B pile, and there's a C pile. You never want to be in the C pile because the C pile does not exist. It's the garbage in theory. B, sometimes you got a chance in the B pile. But if you're in the A pile, there's always a chance. And so from my perspective, it's what could I do to try to get myself into the A pile? Now, I got a call back, got an opportunity. At some point, I'm wondering if maybe they said, hey, take a look at this guy's resume. He talked to me. He reached out. He might be a good fit. So, and that's all it is, right? Networking is, all it is, is it, it gives you a chance, right? And that's all you're asking for. Love that, Rubes. And can I say, Donnie Singe, one of like the most honest and kind of, he just says it how it is, exactly what you said. He says it exactly how it is. And that was I reckon it's certainly up there as one of the funniest episodes in our history. Um, good old Donnie, he's an absolute legend. And, yeah, Aman, love the, love the pile method he's got going there. Can't argue with anything there. So, very good. On to number seven. Number seven is discover your career path by pursuing your genuine curiosity. And who better to lead us into this than Aman Alawalia? It goes back to curiosity. I've always been curious about a lot of different things. Now, I've always loved sport. And like most listeners here or potentially, you know, those who are wanting to enter the sports industry, right? There's there's some passion of sport. Now, I think for me is that I didn't necessarily follow my passion. I followed my curiosity, right? And I think I saw this as an element of a way to express myself and kind of understand and think and challenge in new ways that would be different if I got a job at a tax company or a bank or a telecommunications company. And so I think about that as something that I enjoy. And at the end of the day, this is still a job. Like, don't get me wrong. Like you still have to come up, you still have to show up, you still have to work long hours and sometimes they can be draining. But at the end of the day, I'm thinking about something that I'm passionate about, but I also have a curiosity. And for me, that I, I can't be any luckier than that. And I'm very fortunate to do what I do in this industry that you know not a lot of people have the ability to do, right? I think if people follow their dreams, I think that's great, but you might not be it might not be what you're good at, right? And for me, I've always been really curious about thinking about how to solve big problems. I just happen to find it in something that I'm very passionate about. And it's been a great synergy for me to be successful in this perspective. I love this because Aman has defined success as coming from the enjoyment of solving the types of challenges he wants to solve. And that's like fundamentally applicable for anybody and where you're going to find fulfillment in your work. Now, this is like on the contrary to how a lot of people get into sport because they think it's cool. They think it's glitzy. They think they're going to hang out with the players 
And if these are your reasons for getting into sport, then you're going to burn out pretty quick. However, I think as Aman puts it, the way to avoid that, if you want long-term success, if you want to be able to grind it out and really enjoy, you know, I won't say every moment, but like 90% of it, you want to pursue the things that you are curious about. Absolutely, Rubes. I can't agree more than that. Like what you just said there around like I want to work in sport because I want to meet the players. If that is it, it'll quickly become um, not as big as you think. Although it's amazing like when you do it, but like all of a sudden it's just going to be your job. One day you're going to have to realize that it's just, it's just your job. It's not – you're not a fan meeting the players. It's just that's it. So, um if you attach yourself to curiosity and, and wanting to f- fix something or solve problems or make something better, um, then that's where you're going to find your passion for what you do. Absolutely. Last but not least, Here we the go. eighth principle of how to get into sport without getting lucky is invest so much time that it worries you if it will all be worth it. That's how you know you're on the right track. Now, Ryan, I have, a, I have a little story myself to support this. We haven't got a quote from the archives, but... Um, oh, here you go. Okay. <laughs> but um, when I was in my final year of university and it got to March of, of 2017 and I was doing an internship with Australian University Sport and a volunteer experience with Paran Junior Football Club, I'd just become president of the Deakin University Sports Society, um, had recently completed another internship with a group called ESS Performance, which is around strength and conditioning. And I was sitting on the committee of my football club and my cricket club. And I had then just taken on another opportunity to join the Hawthorne Football Club in a, you know, facilitator role in a program that was running out in, in schools. Gee, you're busy. <laughs> Oof. There was a lot going on. Heaps happening. There was plenty happening. And I was in the car with my friend, He'd picked me up and we were on the way to cricket training. And I told him, oh, I've just got this opportunity with Hawthorne Football Club. And the first thing he said to me was, Ruben, is this one actually going to pay you? And I was like, oh, no, but, you know, hopefully one day somebody does. And at the time, I was, you know, as you say, you know, packed to the rafters, you know, at the brim of, of burning out. And kind of thinking, you know, I've invested, you know, close to three years of time and energy without any real tangible return. Now, that was hard for me to go through at the time and it's hard for a lot of students to go through it at the moment too because you don't know what's at the end of the tunnel. But in hindsight, you know, the reality is I was constantly building capability and potential and that's what people are doing all the time when they go through these internships and volunteer experiences. And the more you invest in those opportunities, the greater chance you actually have of someone else seeing the value in you at the end of it which is kind of like hard to like, you know, hard to work towards because it's something that you can't grasp hold of. You can't see, you can't touch it. But if you want to almost guarantee it in a field that's got so many so many people who are interested in it and so much competition for jobs, if you want to almost guarantee it, you have to push yourself to be in the top 1% of your peers. And so I think if you need a barometer for this, just stop and, and look around, you know, have a look at your at your classmates. Are your peers doing more or less or the same as you? And that will give you an indication of how you're going. But if you are worrying that you're putting too much time in for no avail, keep going because that's how you know you're on the right track. Awesome, mate. I love that story. 
Uh, gee, March 2017, you would have been busy. Uh, <laughs> your weeks, I'm not sure how that would have worked. I'm not sure the planning system that you would have implemented as well would have been out of this world. But, um, mate, those eight principles, that is absolute gold for, for everyone listening. So thanks, Ace, for doing that. Um, full disclosure to everyone, I ha- didn't know all these eight principles before we did this episode. So Ruben has done a mountain of work to put them together. And I honestly reckon like that that is the goal. Like that's the stuff that when we say grab a pen, do we mean grab a pen? Sometimes not. Sometimes we say it for for a joke. But that's honestly the the stuff that should be written down because that is all just gold and it's all things that you can take away with you. So great effort with that, mate. I um I love that. So I think we should we should keep them and maybe in episode two hundred we can we can reflect on, on another eight principles. Mm. They may be the same. We're not sure, <laughs> but. Um, Maybe. But great effort with that. Hey, um, thank you. We've got Kath coming in. So we better, uh, we better get ready to go for that because, geez, we're usually asking the questions um, and they're coming straight back at us. So I know she's, uh, she's ready and raring to go. So let's go do that. But great work on those eight principles. We'll be back in just a moment. Welcome along to the 100th episode of the Sports Grad podcast. My name is Kath Lockman and I'm taking over as host today because the guests on the show are going to be the original hosts, Ruben and Ryan. Guys, welcome to the Sports Grad podcast. Gee, it's music to my ears, that, Rubes, I must say. And yeah, Kath, thanks for coming along. Um, this is extraordinary circumstances, but yeah, it's great to be here. It's taken us 100 episodes, but we finally got a a good introduction on the show. So, thank you for showing us how to properly do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's only taken 100 episodes. I'm amazed that you guys have got to the ton. Did you think originally that this would take off and and the Sports Grad podcast would become what it is today? Uh, No, to to be honest. Like, um, Sports Grad originally started as a YouTube channel. And so I was plodding along for, for three years, carrying around this camera, going out to organizations, chatting with the people, trying to ask them annoying questions like, how'd you get your job? What did you do? And would chuck it up on YouTube for the benefit of my 30 YouTube subscribers. <laughs> and over the three years, I was like, oh, this is becoming exhausting and, and draining. I was ready to give it the flick. So I thought, let's give it one last crack. Let's try and make it a bit more fun. And then sure enough, as soon as Ryan came aboard, everything started to take off. So uh, had someone told me that all I needed was a friend to do it with, then I would have brought Ryan along a lot earlier. I'm intrigued about that because I actually don't know the full story of how you two came together. Well, it was, I believe, and the story goes that we were doing our MCG tour on our first day at Cricket Australia. And I remember seeing this bloke, I was like, oh, he seems like he's kind of my age, pretty normal bloke, and we just kind of got talking from there. And then Ruben, he's a very sociable person, so he was very quick to offer up, you know, getting a coffee or, and, you know, lunch together at the Trumbull Cafe, and it all went from there. And then, yeah, bizarrely, I just got a call one night from Rubes, and I think it was it was while we stood down during lockdown, I was, I think I was just laying on my bed and I was like, Who, who's this? What is this? And then it was Ruben. Well, you, <laughs> yeah, <didn't>, uh, <laughs> this sounds weird, doesn't it? <laughs> who, who, who's this? You didn't have my number saved. 
Yeah, no, I think I was like, oh, what's, what's he calling about? I like, must just want to catch up. And, <laughs> you know, there we go. He wanted to do a podcast. And I thought, hey, I'm pretty bored. Why not? Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, did not expect to be here in June 2021 uh, in the 100th episode, I can tell you that. So there has been 100 episodes now. Be very careful with your answer here, boys. Who's your favourite episode? Oh, well, 33 with Kath Logan was absolutely fantastic. But if I had to pick yeah. a second favourite, then <laughs> then uh, number number two would be, uh, oh, gosh. Like, there's, there's been so many good ones. And, like, the best part of the show has always been, like, the incredible people you meet. And every single time we chat to someone new, it's always, like, whenever you're in our town or our country, like, come and hang out. Like if, if you're in Lausanne, Switzerland, come and we'll show you the International Olympic Committee. Or if you're in New York, we'll show you the NFL headquarters. Like, so it's hard to kind of pick and choose between people. But, um, you know, like Jay Lee from the NBA was really fascinating from my point of view. He's the vice president of product experience over there, runs the NBA app, runs the NBA website and the, the league pass. And as someone who's just become really interested and curious about building digital products in the last 12 months, that's become a space that, you know, I really look forward to enjoy learning more about. So to hear his experience over there was was terrific from my point of view. So that's probably one that stands out to me. What about you, Ryan? A few stand out. I think one of them, my favourite, was Mitch Woods from St Kilda Footy Club, which is where... The Superbox idea uh, originated from Rubes. I'm not sure if you'd be across this calf, but basically came up with the best ever sort of volunteer grassroots club activation. Uh, and that has since just been thriving throughout each and every episode, I reckon, Rubes. But I think I personally love the bite-sized ones. And, like, yes, I love talking to all these amazing people in sport um, and it's it's – just an eye-opener as to what they do. But I think all of our little bite-sized ones are just so enjoyable to make. And, you know, just coming up with roofs around what what do we think people need a hand with and and how does that sort of resonate with us? And it's kind of like, yep, no, that's that's something that people want to talk about. So um, the bite-sized ones were really fun. But I think also, you know, we've spoken to a few people from the US and just understanding how sport is so different in Australia compared to over there and just how complex their system is is, is crazy to, to, to see. So no, there's been a few. That was a very long-winded answer. I'm intrigued. Was there any episode that really caught you by surprise, perhaps wasn't what you expected it to be or? Uh, your episode? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, 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 right at the end? <laughs> I mean, oh, yes. The most shocking, <laughs> shocking point. Um, <laughs> I had a bit of inside mail I had to use. <laughs> yeah, very, I mean, probably the most, the guest with the most inside mail that's ever been on the show. <laughs> um, oh, there's a few. I think Aman from the Chiefs was, like, really cool and, like, went into a lot of depth and as the listeners who are listening to this would have just heard, like, a few really good quotes from him from how, you know, he operates and, and what, gives him sort of motivation to, to do what he does. But, yeah, I don't know. Ruse, what do you reckon? The most surprising one for me was probably Donnie Singe 
from the Manly Sea Eagles, who's like the head of high performance up there and has worked in strength and conditioning with people like the New Zealand Rugby League team um, for 20, 25 years. And he's just like an incredible uh, people person and coach of people. And so when he came onto the show, he was just incredibly engaging, had like an unbelievable amount of stories and was was very frank with his answers. And I think it was it was refreshing to hear because a lot of the advice that um, is on offer out there uh, can be general, general in nature or doesn't want to let people down, whereas Donnie is just like straight up and down. And uh, it was really enjoyable to hear that take from him. I think that's what everyone loves about podcasts is that people almost like let their guard down and they are frank and very honest and and relaxed. Um, So they go into depth and detail. I all of a sudden want to go back and listen to all these episodes you guys are mentioning. But, you know, I've been interested in starting my own podcast. I think a lot of people have in the media industry. What's perhaps been some of the biggest challenges in doing the sports grad podcast? Um, Was it just getting started? Yeah, like I think there's a like we had to do a lot of work, Debbie Roots, you know, in those early stages just to get it going. And it's almost like once you have a template or you've done one, they just kind of roll from there. But I think it's always hard to understand what people want to listen to. So, like, we could get any guests out there that we kind of need to. Like, there's plenty of ways to get people on, but it's like, do people want to listen to that at this point in time? So, I guess for us, a lot of you know, a lot of brainstorming, a lot of work we do to figure out who we want has really developed over time to make sure that, you know, that's still relevant. So, you know, we're trying to make sure we have, you know, for instance, like male and female guests, making sure we've got a good balance of like who we're speaking to. So I guess the challenge is just making sure that we're hitting all the areas and we've got a few little diagrams that I think Ruben's created to to map out who we are and it's a good little Excel spreadsheet for those playing at home if you want one. The, I think we called it the sports grad triangle or something, Ruben. I don't know. But, um, the, the, yeah. the, the sports grad pyramid of podcasting. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the one. Uh, <laughs> so, you um, do the post, like, don't you, Rubes? I see on your socials. Sorry, say that again. You do love a post note. I do love a post note. Uh, you can't see behind me because the, uh, the blinds are down, but if I put them up, you would be uh, pleasantly surprised. <laughs> what do you reckon, Ruth? What's been like the, the most challenging aspects of doing this podcast? Most challenging aspect has probably been the consistency. I think, yeah, because you like you've got to love it. And a lot of people ask me, you know, how did you get started? What are some of the things to keep in mind? And one thing that someone said to me very early on is that. You've got to be able to do it and love it for three years. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to last. And, um, you know, the more that we've carried on, the more that's kind of resonated with me because there's been times where it's been challenging and we we work through it and try and create systems to take the challenge out of it. But what really kind of keeps us going is knowing that we're doing something that we genuinely believe in and enjoy and can figure out a way to to get through it. And so I think having that as something to hold on to has been the best part of it and probably allowed us to get some of the challenges of the consistency because we do we we've got to 100 episodes very quickly. There is a lot of content to to produce which takes a lot of time and effort. Mm. 
Yeah, no, totally. I And I've said to you guys before, I wish this podcast was around when I started uh, studying journalism at Curtin University in Perth because I was always fascinated by other people's careers and, and their advice in, in how to, um, you know, develop, as in my case, a journalist and, and TV presenter. Um, did you know after the first few episodes that you were onto something or were you seriously doubting yourself? In those first few weeks when you, you've done a few records and, and obviously, you know, it might take a while to get the chemistry going between you two, you're trying to do, the, you know, all the technical aspects of the podcast as well. Did you have a good gut feeling like we're onto something here, this is going to be good? Or were you having serious doubts thinking, what are we doing here? Uh, I might just start by saying that a week before that we were due to launch the podcast about getting jobs in sport, my role at Cricket Australia was made redundant. And so I was like, <laughs> God, <laughs> am, I, am I still qualified to talk about this topic? <laughs> so I was having incredible amounts of doubt about whether <laughs> I should be doing this, whether it would work. I think perhaps maybe people felt sorry for us because this guy just lost his job. Um, but, um, it, yeah, like I guess the moment we knew it, we were on to good thing was um, well, three, three days after we launched, it became the number one careers podcast in Australia. And so that was a really nice little thing to be able to hang our hat on after what was a previously pretty tough two weeks. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it was a pretty unique set of circumstances when we started with episode one, I think. We were in a lounge room in Torquay with two microphones and two laptops, like the most rookie setup you've ever seen in your life. And we like couldn't figure out why the sound wasn't working between the two microphones. <laughs> Ali Durkis was five minutes away. It was just an absolute circus. And I was like, hmm, what, what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah. I was like, and we really thought this out. Uh, <laughs> but, um, it, it worked, I guess, when we got there. But, um, no, there was definitely some concerns early on. Was there a point where you realised um, this is successful? Like, was there a, a particular episode or did you get some feedback from someone quite senior or well-known? Like, when was that feel-good moment of, gee, this is going really well? We received, like, a lot of messages very early on Along a similar vein to what you said, Catherine, I wish this was around when I was going through university and, and just starting out. And they were coming from people our age, people younger than us, people in university, people at the exec level, just from all sorts of areas, all sorts of countries too. We had one lady message us from Argentina who said, I've been up literally the entire night listening to 14 episodes in a row. Uh, and I can't get enough of your podcast. And I was like, this is this is wild. There's <coughs> someone in Argentina who can't sleep because of us. <laughs> so it's, yeah, like there's just been a lot of really lovely feedback from a lot of different places, which is, um, yeah, makes it easier to, to keep going. What about you, Ryan? I guess, um, and I don't know if this is right to say, but my, li- my LinkedIn just went off. Like, that's just being totally honest. I was like, what the hell is going on here? I've got like a hundred messages on LinkedIn. And I was like, I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, what do I do? I felt kind of famous for a sec there, but like, obviously. Um, like, my LinkedIn went off. That's yeah, my LinkedIn just went off. And like, yeah, I don't know. It's cuts like a 
That's cute. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 100 messages. Oh, that's cool. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, and, like, Ruben's a huge LinkedIn operator, like, we all, as we all know. And I, I, I obviously had a LinkedIn, but I didn't use it as frequently as he did. And I was like, oh, this is just out of hand. But every single message was one of support. It was more just like, this is awesome what you're doing, like, congrats, and this is helping people. So I was like, wow, like, that is pretty awesome. Um, to say the messages have slowed down since then, absolutely. But, um, yeah, it was pretty, It was a good moment, you know, getting some feedback saying this is really, really cool what you're doing. So that was a – it was a cool moment. I think just further to that, like starting out, there were a lot of messages of, oh, yeah, this is a really nice thing. And then more recently it's been messages of your podcast helped me win an interview to get a job at this dream location. Um we had someone who has recently taken up a job as like a graduate accountant at the North Melbourne Football Club. Yeah. And she left us a review on on iTunes saying something like, I didn't even know I could be an accountant in the AFL industry. I thought the big four organizations was what I was destined for. And then I came across your podcast and realized that these opportunities existed and I used it to get the job. And I was that's like probably the moment when I thought, okay, this isn't just a nice to have. We're actually having an impact now, which is really lovely. Totally. What? Where to now, though, for the podcast? Well, we've uh, we launched a membership off the back of it in November last year, and that's onto its second iteration as of March. And uh, we've just passed a hundred members uh, from ten different countries around the world. And so now we're just trying to build up this community of people who are looking to network across the world and access, you know, greater uh, content and, and insights and other tools that we're creating based on what we know and the people that we've talked to as well to, to help these people find jobs in sport. Surely you've got a list of the ultimate uh, guests for your podcast, a few that you haven't ticked off yet that you'd like to have on the show. Who are they? I'm, I'm happy to step in here, Rubes. Uh <laughs> There is there's one man that is Ruben's dream, and that's Craig Hutchie Hutchinson from uh, SEN and Croc. Uh, have you tried? Well, um, oh, we we have tried. <laughs> have, but I, I actually haven't in, so I'm actually a little bit confident of that one. But I think Ooh, it'd be pretty. good to well, a, a good friend of mine, Tanil Crab, who's an absolute gun marketing operator, is is working at SEN, so. She's promised me that, you know, there would be an intro at some stage, but... Wait, wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. We need details here. How many times have you tried to get him on the show? Oh, what? <laughs> it's, it's more the method, Kath, to be honest. It's not the times, <laughs> it's the method in which we've tried. But okay. I'll, I'll let Ruben explain that one. So, Kath, you, you would know Hutchie. He loves people with ideas. I actually don't know him personally, but I, I am a oh. fan of his. Well, if you know about his character, you know that he's uh, he loves people with ideas. He loves bold things. We thought we would try his own methods to, to get to him. So our first attempt involved producing a graphic with his face on it that explained how the Sports Grad podcast could save him thousands of hours a year in conversation with students but also help build up his own personal brand as someone who's willing to give back to students. Because we envision at the moment there's a lot of people who perhaps similar to the approaches that you get, 
want to know how Hutchie got started in, in journalism. Yeah. So we wanted to show him that if he comes onto the podcast, talks with us for half an hour, 40 minutes, he can then flick on that conversation to all the thousands of people who want to know how he did what he did and he can keep them happy and he can save the time to do other things like spend it with his family. And so we put this in a little visual, posted on LinkedIn. It got a whole bunch of attention, but it got no attention from Hutchie. So <laughs> we are still searching. <laughs> okay, so the LinkedIn uh, ad was a fail. What else yep. did you write? Well, then I had a, then I had a mate from uh, Cricket Australia message me and said, have you listened to the latest episode of the Sounding Board podcast, which Hutchie is a host of? And they're doing a little segment at the moment called The Thawing of Hutchie, where he's got a pretty icy personal brand. They're looking for ways to like make him a bit warmer and allow people to get, get more comfortable with him. So I thought maybe we'll try that angle. So I messaged the Sounding Board Facebook group. I emailed uh, his email that's on his Twitter account and said, Hey, Hachi, we've got a great way for you to improve your image. Come and give back to the students who want to be like you on our podcast. But, uh, again, no result there either. <laughs> so you haven't tried just getting his number and calling him? Have you got his number, Kath? No. <laughs> <laughs> but I would probably try that first if yeah. I were you. <laughs> I, I, think a, I think a direct method might be next. It would be the third <laughs> attempt, though. Um so maybe I'm sure we can look into some of the ways. Maybe you need to share this conversation, put it all over your socials, and surely he'll see it and agree to come on. He'll probably just, he'll feel sorry for us by that point. And yeah, just <laughs> he'd be <laughs> like, "Oh, stop annoying me." <laughs> Is there someone else? We want to. I want to get the McLaughlin brothers. I mean, there's more than two McLaughlins, but Gillen and Hamish. Uh, I think getting them both would have a good little perspective and different paths in sport. I, I love how Hamish, like, operates on TV. Like, I reckon he's an awesome commentator, like, just gets it. And I think... He's a smooth operator. Yeah. And the other thing I've noticed about him is when things, like, get awkward on air, where, like, from what we can see, he, like, can easily just clean it up. Yeah. Whereas, like, I don't know. I don't know if how, how the rest sort of operate. I'm sure you could shed some light to that, Kath. Yeah, Hamish has always been one I've admired from afar. Um, like Hutchie, I actually have never met him. But exactly what you just said, Ryan, is very smooth on air. And, I mean, that's your job is is to make things seem smooth and comfortable for the viewer mm. when things in television go wrong all the time. Um, yeah. But, yeah, he's very professional, very classy, and uh, very knowledgeable as well, clearly does his prep and and I respect that enormously. Um, well, guys, I think I'm out of questions. Is there anything? You've covered all bases. <laughs> We've been craving someone who can actually run this kind of operation. I mean, you look at us too and it's just two rookie <laughs> fellas here just trying to make, a, make their way in the world with this podcast and I think it's good to have someone with such experience actually ask some real questions. So uh, it has been good. Thank you very much for coming in. It's been awesome coming back on the show because I loved being on the show. It feels like a year ago now almost, but I know it was less than that. Um, But it's been awesome as well to see the Sports Grad podcast thrive, and I can't believe you're already at 100 episodes. That is such an awesome effort, Um, and I think there are plenty more to come. So keep going. Uh, Good luck with it. 
And uh, thank you, I think, on behalf of all your viewers because it has been such a worthwhile podcast and one that is helping so many people even in Argentina, as we've learned today. So um, congratulations again to you guys. Thank you very much. That was, uh, that was very kind. And thank you to you, Ryan. It's been fun. It's been a, a good 100 episodes. I would have can't imagine doing it with anybody else, so... <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see you for the big Dizzy Gillespie 200 in about a year's time, my friend. <laughs> we'll, uh, yeah, we'll see you then. I better get the invite for that one. I'll put it yeah. in the <laughs> We'll make sure of it. Kath just is rolling per 100 episodes, comes <laughs> in just to, just to review, see how things are going. Thanks, guys. Congratulations once again. Thank you. Thank you.